This is Jane Marie. And this is Soko. You are now listening to the Queer Ambition Podcast. The Queer Ambition Podcast is the only podcast celebrating rising LGBTQ professionals. Providing advice on navigating the modern workplace. And discussing polarizing topics within the community. Now listen up. Welcome to the Queer Ambition Podcast. Today we are joined by Teek Milan. So excited. Uh, Teek Milan is a media maker, journalist, and advocate. Teek has been an advocate in the LGBT community for over a decade. He is also a writer and consultant who carved a niche for himself as a media advocate and one of the leading voices for transgender equality. Gotta be honest, if you haven't heard of Teek, I don't know what you've been doing. You've been under a rock, bruh. So shout out to Teek for joining us today and welcome to the podcast, Teek. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm super, super stoked to be here. Of course, of course. So just want to let you know what we're doing today. We're going to go through our icebreaker questions, yes. They are new, they are improved, and they are full of hot mess shit. Um, After that, we're going to go into the topic of the week, which is being queer and raising a family. Then we got some questions from our listeners uh, related to just anything they were curious about, about the trans community, about Teak. Um, So he's going to share some of his thoughts on that. And that's what we have for you today. All right. Take it away, Soko. All right. So we're going to go into these icebreaker questions, right? So I'll ask the question and we'll all answer it. And I might pry a little bit because I want to know a little bit more. So um, let's go into it. All right, first question. Your partner says they do not want to introduce dishonesty into the relationship. So with your permission, they would like to sleep with someone else. What are you doing? A, giving your blessing. B, thanking them for honesty, then breaking up. Or C, telling them no, but staying with them. Uh, For me, A, I would... (laughs) A, I'll give my blessing. I think non-monogamy is, it can be healthy in a relationship as long as all parties involved are open and are honest. But I mean, that, that, that yes will come with like, we need to have a deeper conversation about who this person is and do I get to meet this person? Is this someone that's going to be a part of our lives? Is this somebody we get to play with together or is it just a you thing? Um, you know, um, you know, safety and all those things. So there would be a larger discussion, but you know, I'm all down for non-monogamous and polyamorous relationships. Wow. Are you currently in a non-monogamous relationship? <sighs> Interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I am. Okay. Okay. That's, that is awesome. I was not expecting that response. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Soko. Um, you know, almost what Teek said, it really depends uh, what we've talked about, because I do identify, of course, as being polyamorous, but I, I'm going to give my blessing, but we need to talk about it more. We need to talk about it more and what yes, that looks like um, for both of us. Work this shit out. Right. Work it out. And then if we agree, yeah. And if we don't, then it's a no, and that's okay. It's a funny thing. So I think... I'm like on this sliding scale in my relationship sometimes. Sometimes I'm like super secure and like, yeah, she could do whatever. And then sometimes I'm like, nah, babe, I really need you to be with me and up under me. So currently I'm going to say no. At this point right now, I'd be like, nah. But that may change. We can revisit it. I'd be like, you know, can you just keep this person in the tuck like for another time? So that, yeah. So right now it'll be a no. 
So uh, next question. The best vibe you've ever had with someone is also coupled with the worst sex of your life. What do you do? Stick it out regardless because sex ain't better than love or let it go. You, you gotta go, Jordy. I'm sorry. Go. We could be friends, okay? But we vibing and you don't know what you're doing and sex is awful. But I mean, is sex ever really like bad, bad? Yes. Bad. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking like sex is kind of like pizza, even when it's bad, it's still kind of good because it's no no i once so i once had an interesting situation where um amazing sex like like mind-blowing but couldn't kiss and i like can't do it had to let it go because kissing is so important to me so for me let it go let her ass go what was what made her a bad kisser i don't know how to describe it a lot of teeth in the front like we were were, biting you like biting your lips or clash in the front (laughs) Like your teeth are like giving each other high fives. Yeah. And oh. It was like, this isn't, it was bad. And it, it was sucks because, you know, that's so part of what make, can make sex enjoyable, at least in my opinion. And I, sometimes I would like avoid the kiss. I'd be like, come on, babe, let's just. <laughs> so was that like a one time thing? No, we, we, no, we kept doing it. We were, we kept, you kept trying. Because <laughs> the sex was so good. I was like, I just, I just, you know, we just won't kiss. That's fine. That just won't be what we do, you know, but I had to let it go eventually for many reasons. But yeah, that was one of them. <laughs> yeah. For me, um, I'm letting it go. Nah, I'm good on that. Are you, I'm surprised that you so I'm sure you're not like her energy and her vibrations. <laughs> All right. Last question. Crazy as hell. On your wedding day, a guest unknowingly brings a plus one that used to be your fling, not just a regular fling, like. Y'all was, you know, just having sex for like a year or so. At the reception, your spouse asks us if you know them. What do you say? A, yes. B, no. C, I used to. Or D, yes, but it was just sex. I think a, a D. I think a D, not a, not a yes, but, but a yes, and. Like, yes, and we used to fuck. Okay, I like that answer. I like the switch up on that. Yeah, it's not a buy, it's just an end. It's okay. Get married. And what, what, well, do you think, well, what do you think, Soko? Oh, uh, yeah, but it was just sex. Who cares? I, I, in all honesty, my partner would be livid. Livid. Oh! If there was someone that like was on the guest list that she didn't know about that I had previously had sex with, oh, I can, I can see the blow up. Um, but I still would be honest and say yes. It was yes, but it was, I was like, babe, come on, it was mad long ago. You know, it wasn't even it wasn't even that good, babe. You're lying. It probably was mad. <laughs> but here's the thing: did you know that they were on the guest list before they showed up? No, it's unknowingly, right? You didn't ah, know, so right? It's a plus one. Yeah. Someone brought. And I'll be like, yeah, and she, you know, she's seeing someone else now. She happy, like we happy, everybody happy. I would try so hard not to make it be a thing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's real. <laughs> That's real. All right. Now we're going to dive into the topic of the week. The topic of the week is being queer and raising a family. Uh, Our guest, Teek Milan, is very experienced in this currently. And uh, and so we invited him here to talk to us about that because we know that there might be a lack of visibility of that normalcy, of achieving that ability to have a family and being in a loving relationship 
And so often we're seeing that our trans brothers and sisters are being killed. And, um, you know, the kind of the only celebration that we often have is like when they happen to be on a TV show or, you know, those small victories. So we'd really like to shine light on just Teek's happiness. So let's go into that now. So Mm -hmm. Teek, for those that don't know, how did you meet your girlfriend? Okay, okay. All right, so, okay, so there's a lot happening here right now. <laughs> okay, there's a lot going on right here. Um, so everybody knows, you know, Kim and I have been married for five years. We have a daughter together. Kim and I are in the middle of a divorce, okay? <laughs> so when I say my girlfriend, I'm not talking about Kim. I'm not, you know, Kim and I, she lives in Toronto. I live in New York City. Um, right now we're in the middle of a divorce and trying to figure out uh, you know, the things that divorced people got to figure out, child support, visitation, all those things. Like, you know, all the things that come with being married when a marriage disintegrates is. <laughs> Yo, even more complex than we had. You know, what's funny is that when you, you, so Teek was communicating with us prior to the podcast and he said, girlfriend, I was like, oh shit. I thought that that was his wife. Same. So you just blew shit the fuck up, literally. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that that's what's happening right now. So that's what's happening. Um, and I'm in another relationship, and that's what's happening. You know, um, you know, Kim and I, you, you know, Kim and I married for five years. I, I'm not gonna get too much into my business, um, yeah. but you know, um, she and I have have been separated for a, a while now, um, and it was a mutual separation while we were trying to figure out if we could kind of mend the, the, the broken pieces in our marriage, and we couldn't. So, so now we're on the road to divorce. That's happening. Okay. I'm in another relationship with a wonderful woman. She's great. Um, she's a New Yorker. She's good people. Um, yeah. Okay, that's dope. That was a revelation. Um, yes. Wasn't expecting <laughs> that, but thank you for being, uh, thank you for feeling comfortable to share that. Yeah, and your child, your baby girl, that is with Kim. Yes, yes. My daughter okay. is with Kim. Uh, she is now with Kim. Like, Kim is our pri- primary parent. Obviously, she's her mom. Uh, so we're just trying to work out, you know, how to make sure that, you know, Soleil is my baby. You know, I'm sure if you follow me on social media, see how much time I spent with my daughter. Um, I ended up moving back to New York City, not because of Kim and I's relationship, but because I got a job offer here. Mm-hmm. Job offer that paid very, very nice. I couldn't turn it down. So I was like, I gotta let go. I'm out. So I, so I moved back to New York. Um, and while I was here, Kim and I were still trying to work things out, but we mutually decided it wasn't working. So we're trying to do this as amicable, as amicably as possible. Um, so yeah, so my daughter is with Kim. And yeah, so that's the thing about like, you know, being queer and raising a family, just having a family period and enter into a marriage and to do a legally binding contract with someone. You know, there you always run the risk of that marriage disintegrating. Nothing lasts forever. You know, I didn't go into my marriage thinking that in five years we would be divorced. I went to my marriage thinking this is the one I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Mm -hmm. You know, and it didn't happen. And so it's just, you know, so I think the scary part of it for me as a trans man is making sure that my rights are protected as her father. Mm. Making sure that no one, no parties involved, get in the way of me continuing to have a healthy and loving relationship with my daughter. That's really like my main concern. Um, but you know, there's that extra level of like anxiety because um, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know if 
you go to a judge who may be conservative. I have, a, I have an attorney that I paid thousands of dollars to. I, know, I don't know what their personal politics are, if they're really going to go as hard as I need them to go to ensure that things are, are fair for me. You know, so that is that is a concern. But as of right now, things have, things have been okay. Um, you know, but I'm still a father. I'm still a family man. Uh, you know, I'm still still in that in that space. It's just things are look a little different. Absolutely, and you know, I don't know if this is too personal, but you are recognized as her father, right? Absolutely. Okay. I'm a daddy. I'm on her birth certificate. That's it. No, you know, so, you know, that's good. Like, no one can really, I don't, you know, no one can really take that away from me. Um, but there is a place of anxiety around, like, well, what if they can? What if there's some loophole? What if there's something where someone can try to, to um, nullify my position as her father? I would never let anybody do that. I would fight until my last breath, until my last dime. No one's going to take my, my, my baby from me, you know? But I don't think that that's neither here nor there. I think that, yeah. you know, Kim and I are going to, you know, things are, difficult right now to say the least um, but I do believe that she and I would get to a place where we can be have better communication where we can really co-parent in a really healthy way so my whole thing about co-parenting is like you know and that's why I tell Kim even though things are, are we she and I are in a difficult place um we have to get to a place where we have love between each other we do have like you know, I love her she's she's you know she's my wife she's my mother my child we went through a lot together that love has changed it's shifted but the love should still always be there you know, there should always be the undercurrent, whether it's us co-parenting, us just being really good friends and raising this baby the best way we can and being having open and honest communication about what her life is like and what's going on with her, you know, on a, on a regular basis. And that's where I want to get to. And I think that we will. And, I, you know, for me, the blueprint for, for that was my parents. My parents divorced when I was three. Now, we don't even remember them being together, but my father was always there. My father lived around the corner from us. He used to come over for dinner. And my mom used to talk on the phone. You know, they were really good friends. When my mother died, he cried the hardest. You know what I'm saying? Like, they really remained really, really good friends. My mother used to tell me, like, me and your father are better now as friends. Like, if that man was living here, I'd have killed him. <laughs> but I'm so glad that he, I call him. He's in your life. And that's the kind of, that's a relationship that I hope that Kim and I could get to. And I think that we will. That is beautiful. You know, this is probably fresher. You'll grow into that. But let me, I want to reverse back a little bit because, you know, for someone queer like myself, one of the questions me and my partner always have is like, how do we know when we're ready to start a family? When did you know that you both were ready? Well, you know, when Kim and I got married, I don't know if you know the story, but I married, I asked Kim to marry me after only knowing her for two weeks. And I hadn't even met her in person yet. We talked on Facebook. And I was like, let's get married. She was like, okay. And we got married. We met in January. We got married in May. We were married for five years. So when we first, when we first got together, she was like, let you know right now, I want to have a baby. I'm trying to have a baby. I want a baby. And I was like, go and get pregnant. You bring your pregnant ass over here. I'm taking care of you and all, whatever babies you got. Because I was just so head over heels for her. So she was already in a place where she was really, really ready. And I think just biologically, as a, as a woman, you know, this, this, things are happening in her body that were telling her that she was ready to have a child. And as a man in relationship, as a masculine person, you know, I, I had to defer to that. Like, if this is what you want. And also as a trans man who I can't give that to you. Like, I don't, mm. I can't make a baby. Um, I'm going to support you on that journey, however it looks. You know, so I think for us, um, she just knew like in her body, in her spirit, that the one thing her calling was to be a mother. And I've always wanted to be a father. I've always wanted to be a dad. 
Um, but I think that when it comes to knowing when you have a child, you're going to know when you know. When there's really just no doubt left, when it's like, I got to do this shit. Like, this is something that's super important to me and I got to do it. And you're going to do it. Because I'm telling you right now, if it don't move you like that, if it doesn't feel like, if there's not a deep aching hunger for it, don't do it. Okay? Yeah. Queer people, you know, whether you're having, or whoever you're having sex with, you know, whatever that's looking like, we still have the choice to choose when and how we have a family. You know what I'm saying? Like whether you're having sex with cis men or trans men or cis women or trans men, whoever, you, whoever, you know what I'm saying? We still have the place to really be intentional about making a family. So like take that fucking seriously and like be really, really intentional because having a kid is no joke. It's so much work. It's so much responsibility. It's so much money. You know what I'm saying? It's so much, it really just changes your life in so many different ways, you know? So it's something really, really serious to think about, but you got to really feel it and you got to just put yourself in it and do it and just do it. And if you keep like questioning yourself about it, maybe it's not for you. Or if you try to question yourself out of it, you try to talk yourself out of it, you're never going to do it. And then, you know, get old, wake up one day older and not have any kids and be like, damn, I should have did it when I had the chance. I should have did it when I thought I was ready. You know, so if you feel like you want kids, you really feel in your heart, do it. See, that, that's the thing about kids, though, right? Because we, my partner, we go back and forth all the time. One day, we want kids. The next, We have the names picked out and everything, right? One day, we want kids. The next day, we don't. So it's like, when will we, we always question, when will we ever be like, yeah, fuck it, we're having kids? What's, what's stopping you? What's the, what's the block? Okay, so the block is, I think about um, time, right? Once I have this child, I feel like everything is all about them now, right? I have to make sure they're safe, protected, cared for 24-7. Even okay. after they are 18 and out of my house, they will still be the first priority in my mind. Am I ready to have that type of anxiety? Are you ready? Are you? I don't know. I feel like in some way, in some, like I like somewhat of control and having a kid lets a little bit go of that control. I, I can't. I don't know what they're going to do when they leave the house or when they go to school, what's going to happen to them. And when they're away from me, what am I going to be like? Yeah. Yeah. That's real. I think that's, that's this vulnerability that comes with loving someone with all of your heart. You know what I'm saying? And when you have a child, there's no, the way I love my daughter is nothing like I've ever, ever experienced before. And it's scary. Think if somebody was to hurt her or if I didn't know where she was like that, it makes me sick to my stomach, but you can't let the vulnerability of loving someone so much keep you from that love. Okay. You know, it's just, it's a part of being a parent, you know, um, and kind of just busting through that, that vulnerability and having the courage to say, I, I'm ready to have a little person in my life forever. I was curious that at any point, did you two ever consider staying together for, for your baby? I think that I think that there was part of our relationship where we were together for her, you know, and it just stopped working. The thing is, is like we can't because to stay together for our child uh, and for us to have these difficulties in our communication, our relationship, for her to see that it's just it's just a detriment to her. It'd be better for us to be in separate spaces and have some distance between us and be able to rebuild a loving relationship than to stay together under one roof and really like can't stand each other. Cause she, you know, she's a little baby and ain't like we were arguing or like physical or verbal, anything like that. But was, there was an energy there. There was a tenseness that was happening. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the, our, my, my baby girl's first example of love is what she's going to see between her parents. And I didn't want her to see this tense kind of love 
you know, this walking on eggshells kind of love, you know? So I think at the end of the day, people do that all the time. They stay, they stay together for the kids, but it end up just fucking your kids up. You know what I'm saying? If you gotta go, go. And people stay because of like, you know, they have, you know, their finances are intertwined or they have to stay because they're dependent on each other. That's one thing. Uh, but just staying because of the kids, uh, I think does them a detriment. And then another thing is you don't want them to start, people will start to regret, start to resent their children. Because mm-hmm. you stay in a relationship 10, 15 years wow. with somebody, you may have fallen out of love with or you're not getting along with you're miserable they're miserable and you're like i did this for this fucking kid <laughs> that's wrong right you know, yeah. we have to make ourselves happy we have to be happy and be at our best selves in order to raise happy children who are going to be at their best selves as well that is so true that is so true and i i don't think that any child wants to see their parents so unhappy you know just to say they have two parents living in the same house oh you know for, for me as a child that came from two people that actually were never married and that are, that were separated, that um, weren't together, I would have been, I think I would have resented my father so much if they, my parents would have stayed together because I knew how much he hurted my, he hurt my mother, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and cheating on her and doing everything that he was doing. So it benefited them. They don't know it, but they didn't do it for me, but I'm glad that they did it for sure. because I wouldn't, I don't think we'd have the relationship that we have now. Yeah. He would have stuck around. That's yeah. real. So I feel like when you think about relationships, right, it takes a lot of time and energy, right? And when you have a child, it takes a lot of time and energy. So you have these two dynamics in your life that take a lot of time and energy. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you balance the two, right? Maintaining, trying to maintain your relationship, but then also having a child. And then in cases, I feel like sometimes when people have a child that adds more strain on the relationship and then that relationship dissolve that could that definitely happens i don't i don't think that that was my case you're right it's a lot of energy in a relationship maintaining marriage is a lot maintaining marriage is a fucking lot of work i don't know ever get married again it's so much work it's harder Um, than being in a just a relationship right when you marry someone you you legally bonded to someone i don't know how spiritual you are but you've kind of taken these vows like for your creator, for the spirituality, for your God, and say, like, this is the person I'm bowing my life to. You know, once you really do that, once you enter into that ritual, you do that, something, something clicks, something happens. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a sense of profound, like, loyalty and commitment to this person. And it's like, I'm entered into this with you. I'm inside all these goddamn papers. I'm legally connected to you. I took vows before my God that I was going to be with you. I'm going to fucking do this. And not for nothing, getting divorced ain't no joke. It's expensive. Mm. You, gotta, you gotta separate all your shit when you're not married you can just be like you know what i'm done let me just find my new apartment and good luck to you you know it just doesn't work like that when you marry it's just there's so much more uh that goes into it um but back to your, your first question about the energy thing i know for me being married takes up a lot of energy having a kid takes up a lot of energy but it was different like you know my daughter would get up at i don't know 5 36 o'clock in the morning you know, every morning and I would get up with her and I'd feed her breakfast and I'd clean up after her and I'd play with her and I would be dog tired and it would be a lot. Sometimes, you know, she'd get on my nerves because she'd be doing so much, but it still, it felt, it was still so rewarding. Like there was still no place I'd rather be. I didn't mind being that tired because I was just up with my baby, you know, or dealing with her fussiness or her pooping in her diaper and taking her diaper off. I'm like, look, shit, my diaper. Like just little things to do, gross stuff. But it was no other place that I would rather be. So it was energy well spent. But I think that re- resentment does happen when people don't have that kind of view of parenting. You know, and I think that that happens when people aren't really intentional about being parents. Like Kim and I were really, really intentional about having a baby 
me preparing for it and knowing that how it was going to change everything. Like I was ready to not, you know, go out every night. I, you know, when Kim and I were together, when so that first year, Soleil's life, we didn't go anywhere. Like there was just nothing. We were just in the crib watching scary movies. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. trying to get fed by 11. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no going out, you know, couldn't smoke as much weed as I wanted to. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Couldn't fuck as much as I wanted to. Like it was just a lot. You know, yeah. it was a lot, but it was okay because we were prepared for it. That preparation is key, you know, in what you just yeah. said and being prepared for it and almost like preparing your relationship for it is what it sounds like you have to do too. Yeah. And preparing your life to change. Your life is going to change so much when you have a kid. It's not a game. Right. No. And so, your pockets. <laughs> yeah. I really want people to think about it. Like I, I think about that all the time. Like I want my kid to have a good life. You yeah. know, like I don't, I'm not going to bring a child into this world and they can't go on vacations and see things. I'm not going to keep my kid in the house. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, I don't know. That's important to me. Um, another question for you that I was curious about was actually came from a coworker of mine. I was, I was brainstorming with a coworker, like I got to take McClellan coming on the podcast. What would you ask? So, um, she said to me, you know, cause she's a parent and she said, do you ever worry about her growing up and hearing, you know, negative comments from ignorant kids or their families about, you know, her father or even about her mother? Yeah. Um, not, you know what? It's not necessarily a worry. Um, my biggest worry for my daughter, this little black girl, is when she's going to get her heart broken. How mm. I'm going to help her weather that. Or if and when, I'm going to be honest, if and when she gets assaulted, I'm going to tell you right now, 90% of the black women I know have experienced some type of sexual assault in some kind of way. So it wouldn't be surprising to me if that is something my daughter has to go through. What am I going to do as her father to help her work through those things? That's that's the shit that worries me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? As far as like ignorant people, I don't really worry about that too much because I'm very queer. Her mother is very queer. We have very queer lives. Everybody in our life is really queer. Um, and we've been really intentional about building family, chosen family and 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 blood family, you know, the people that we fuck with are people who are really affirming and who, you know, kind of live the same life as us. We don't, you know, we would no, Kim and I aren't together, but I think that she and I are on the same page where we would never put her like any school system mm-hmm. where she's surrounded by, well, she's going to be the only black girl, that shit ain't happening. Or she's going to be, you know, surrounded by ignorant folks who don't have, who don't understand me as her father and don't understand the type of like queer family that she comes from. You know, so we've been very, very intentional about that. She'll probably be homeschooled and all of those things. But for me, that's my biggest concern. Is when she's going to get a heartbroken, how she's going to weather the pain of being a black woman in this world. What am I going to do for her then? If she decides to be a woman, who knows? I mean, I'm just, I'm already, I'm already assigned a gender to her. I can't do that right now because I'm her daddy. But, you know, there may come a time when her gender identity is going to be different, but more than likely not. Most people are cisgender folks. So who knows? Who yeah. knows? I do worry about that. It's all about, it's all what ifs, right? So it's just what if, what if, what if. Um, So going from that, so what does a blended family look like for you in the future? Oh, girl. (laughs) Blended family. I mean, so like, you know, I'm with someone who has children. Kim is with someone that has children. We have children together. I would like for us to be able, I would like for all the adults involved to be friends, right? To have a really good relationship, to build a village around our children, to really come from a place that's all love. There's a fluidity of love that really exists 
between all of us. Now that may be a very kind of like utopia kind of idea, but I think that it can be really possible, particularly with queer people. And that's I think what's the beauty of queer folks is that what we do is we redefine what it means to be in this world. We redefine who we are, how our gender presentation is, who we love, how we love, how we fuck, how we create family, how we worship, you know what I'm saying? So why can't we redefine what our families look like? So I think a blended family, it can look just like, it can just be blended. We're all kind of, you know, I would love for, you know, me and my ex-wife and my current partner, and maybe Kim's current partner, I don't know what she's doing over there, but, you know, if we could, could we spend a holiday together? You know, could we bring everybody together and just do this really big, beautiful, black, queer thing? That's what I would really like to do. A lot of maturity to do that. And it takes a lot of healing to do that. Uh, and it takes a lot of confidence in ourselves and in our partnerships to do that. But I don't think it's something that is impossible. I feel that you got to manifest that. You're manifesting it right now. Put it into the air. That's what I'm working towards. Because that's all you want, like, at the holidays. You just want people you love and people you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I gotta tell you, like, thank you so much for, you know, being so honest and being so transparent and sharing this with us, you know, um, fuck, you know, not gonna lie, fuck, because I spent a day looking at you and your, what I thought was your family, so, um, (laughs) (laughs) amazing, um, and thank you for talking to us about, and, you know, again, being honest about something that's difficult, you know, so, but it's, it's the truth, it's the truth. And, and that is all you seem to give. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Now we're going to transition into some of our listener questions. So listeners that submitted questions, here is your time. Uh, the first question, um, how did trans folks navigate the healthcare system in terms of finding doctors and specialists? Um, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, I think um, I haven't had a whole lot of issues. I haven't had a whole lot of issues navigating the healthcare system because I live in New York City. And living in New York City, there's a privilege in living in a big city, in a big liberal city, and that there's tons of resources here. So I know for me, what I did was I started off going to the Callan Lord Center here in New York Center, which is in New York City, which is an LGBT medical clinic. I still go there. I've been going there for two years now. And they specifically cater to LGBT folks. So it was nothing for me to walk in to see other trans people and other gender variant people working there and there as patients. You know, I really felt like it was home there. Um, things that were really affordable. Um, but what I do find for folks who don't have this privilege is actually people really congregating in online spaces and sharing resources there. Like when I first started to understand that I was trans back in, I started my transition. I started my medical transition in 07. Remember back in 04, I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I have all these feelings. I don't, you know, I was super butch, but I was like, this butch thing is, is cool, but it ain't, it ain't hitting no more. And I don't know what to do next. Um, I went into, I found a group of, it was called Urban Trans Men. This is years ago, you know, I'm dating myself. This years ago, people used to use urban instead of black, right? <laughs> urban Trans Men. And it was a group of like, it was a Yahoo group of like 400 black trans Yahoo. men. Yikes. Yahoo, yikes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I know spring chicken over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, it was a Yahoo group, 400 different, uh, 400 black trans men. And that's where I got all my resources from. Like they were making, they were exchanging information on 
doctors, on surgeons, on creating care packages and care teams, and you know, strategizing tr uh, travel for folks who needed to get to doctors and folks who needed to get to, who needed to get to their surgeons and doing aftercare. So there was a lot of community that was built in these online spaces. And I always say that because people try to treat like things that happen online as if it's not real. Like things that happen there are very real. Like, this is where I found my first community. This is where I found my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like real things happen there. Real relationships are built there. So I think for folks who don't have the benefit of living on the East or West Coast, if you're in one of these flyover states, or if you're in someplace internationally where you're under some kind of conservative government or con more conservative constraints, you know, online community is a really great place to get these resources and talk to like-minded people so you don't feel so alone. And what did you say the name of that um, center was? The Callan Lord Center. Callan Lord Center. Callan Lord, Callan after Audrey Lord. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Next listener question is, so trans black women demand access to cis black women spaces or should cis black women have their own space and that be okay? So y'all really trying to do it to me. Um. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listener questions. This is, okay, so this is what I think. I think that I think that trans. First, let me say this. I think that trans women are women. Okay, point blank. I think that trans women are women, um, and I do not think that trans women pose any kind of predatory threat to women and 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 to assist gender women in in women's spaces. I agree. I, I don't think so at all. Okay, um, so I think that trans women and cis women should be able to operate in the same spaces. Agreed. A hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just we're we're all black women, woman, whatever. We're just women, right? Yeah. So we can we can exist in the same space and be okay. What's the problem? Yeah, it's fine. Nobody checking for you. Right. Everybody's fine. <laughs> okay. Are the steps to top surgery a difficult process? Uh, top surgery for me, top surgery wasn't hard again because I'm in New York City. Okay, so this let me tell you my, my top surgery story. Buddy of mine got his top surgery, and I was like, I need my shit done too. So he was like, this is what you do. Go to NYU Medical and um, ask for um, Dr. C, Dr. Hagen, Dr. Hazen, right? So Dr. Hazen um, did, um, did uh, breast cancer surgery, okay? She was an ally to community. So this is the time I got my surgery done in 2011. This is before a lot of private insurances were covering trans healthcare. So what she would do after hours was she would have a meeting with trans men, like a group meeting with trans men, and talk to us about how she could get our surgeries done for us, right? And one of the things she told us, like if you're male and everything, try to stay female on your insurance. Stay female on your insurance. Go through these. This and these are all the tests that I need you to get done. So get these tests done, and then what's going to happen is you're going to get approved to have surgery as a preventative measure towards cancer. Now, for me, my grandmother died of cancer. My auntie died of cancer. Later on, my mother died of breast cancer. So, so for me, it wasn't you know something that runs in my family. I stayed female on my insurance for a few years, went through a battery of tests, and I was able to get it done that way. And also, I also had the privilege of having a full-time job full-time job to pay a good salary, a decent salary. So I didn't have to come out of my pocket. All I had to do was pay a $500 copay. And I stayed in the hospital for three days and I was able to get surgery done by two amazing uh, women surgeons. That's for me. Now, from now, what I understand, lots of private insurances cover trans-related healthcare, cover trans-related surgeries. 
and I think Medicaid also covers it as well. Wow. Right? Wow. So, but that depends, but it also depends on what state you're in. Yeah. You're in the South, you're going to have to come up off that, off that money. Right. And I think like right now, from what it understands, uh, top surgery can run between like eight to $15,000. So, so I think the the challenge is, do you have insurance that's going to cover it? Uh, do you have access to really good doctors? Because all these doctors are good. I've seen some guys get top surgery. And I'm going to be honest, get top surgery for male surgeons. Some of the male surgeons I've seen have just butchered some of these guys. What? And, yeah, I've seen some guys who've had really bad surgery from male doctors. Like intentionally or just like, fuck it? Like, I think maybe it's just a little bit of both. Eek. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. Uh-huh. I've seen some guys who've had some, really, who've had some really bad results from doctors who really didn't know what they were doing, who really didn't take their time. Not all the male surgeons. I know there's some 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 male surgeons who, who do a really good job. I've seen some guys have some really infections and nipples falling off, all kinds of shit. Oh really shit! You know they got they take them off and then you got to reattach them shit. I need my nipples, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you got to reattach their joints. You know what I'm saying? They look a little different, but you know they're there. Um, but I think it's a bunch of different factors that we have to consider before we can really gauge how what is difficult and what isn't. Mm. You know. So, being in a really major, being in a major liberal city is super helpful. Being gainfully employed, a full-time job, private insurance is really helpful. Um, and having access to funds is really helpful. So if those three things are working for you, then there are going to, going to be definitely a lot of challenges that I haven't went through. Um, and it's going to be a longer road for folks, absolutely. Thank you so much for answering our listener questions. Um, we just kind of want to wrap up by supporting you in some of the events that you have going on so you had mentioned take that the trans march is happening and when is that well the trans march is happening trans march on dc is happening on the 28th so that's happening this saturday wow hosting uh, i have a bunch of different speakers my girl angelica ross from pose and from american horror story is going to be one of our future speakers which is going to be great um you know that's like that's like my girl she's one of my closest friends i just call her my work wife we were both working at a nonprofit, and i'm just so proud of her you know to see she's come so far since 2014 we were both just broke and hustling doing this <laughs> nonprofit bullshit you know to see her star rise to see her shine i'm so, so happy for her so so proud of her she's going to be there a bunch of other people are going to be there to celebrate trans people and there's going to be a march just talking about trans rights you know 19 black trans women have been murdered this year um and then also thinking about like trans people who are stuck at the border who are incarcerated because you know they're just coming here for a better life you know there's so many trans people who are intersecting with so many different issues and oftentimes we get overlooked so this is our way of saying you're not going to overlook us and that we exist and also you know there's going to be a large contingent of trans men there too many times trans men we are getting erased shout out to my boy marquise wilson who has done a who started a campaign of trans masculine history and every day he has been profiling different trans men um, who have been really uh who've been really instrumental in our community so shout out to him for doing that work because nobody else is doing that particularly for black trans men so there's gonna be a lot of brothers down there as well making sure that people see us uh, know that we're here and know that we also have needs too that often aren't um, looked at in community. So it's going to be great. So if anybody who's listening is going to be in the D.C. area, come through. We're going to be in D.C. Trans March. You can go ahead and just Google it. I think it's like transmarchdc.org. Um, check us out and come and support. Absolutely. So by the time that this is launched, this will actually have already have happened, but um, we will be promoting it though on the 28th to, and before that to make sure that folks are aware. Absolutely. Anything that you post, we will reshare. And um, I know for the last thing you also mentioned was the human rights campaign. 
So you tell us about what you're doing there. Oh, I'm just going to their annual gala. So the Human Rights Campaign is like the biggest LGBT um, uh, advocacy organization maybe in the United States or maybe globally. Um, so I have some folks over there. So they're having their huge annual gala on Saturday, and I'll just be there. I'm about to go t- try my tux on now. Oh, good. okay. You wore the tux to this. Yeah, I had to go. I, had to, I rented a tux. I ain't buying this shit. <laughs> right? back to did y'all. you go traditional or did you go for like a different color? I went traditional, black. Okay. It's it's All a right. pretty it's a pretty formal affair. So can't yeah. go wrong. Can't go yeah, wrong with black, wrong. baby. I, I didn't do the bow tie dolls. I'm not doing that. My neck is too thick for bow ties. So that's not, <laughs> I'm doing the same with y'all. I got a regular tie, but um, yeah, so I'm doing that as well to support some some uh, people who are close to me who are at the organization themselves. All right, thank you so much, Teek, for joining us. You don't need any more followers, but if you'd like to follow Teek, it is at the Mister Milan. We will have that all in the description. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome, thank you. Thank you. Enjoyed you so much.